Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Commander Clash podcast, where the Commander Clash crew discusses Commander-related topics, and today we're going to be talking about our favorite cards from Dominaria United. This includes the main set and the cards that are featured only as box toppers or in the brand new Commander precons that come along with Dominaria United as well. So all the cards from the set, um, main sets and Commander sets all together uh, we're going to be talking about 12 of them, so four of them each. Uh, joined with me, as always, to discuss these sweet new cards is Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive. How's it going, Seth? I'm doing well, Tomer. How are you today? Doing well, doing well. Always excited to talk about brand new cards. Ah, yeah, one of my one of my favorite videos. We always get to uh, talk about our favorite commander cards from the set. I always look forward to these, and this is a pretty sweet set, so it uh, it should be a good one. You know why I look forward to this way more, by the way? Because for the first time in, like, two years, uh, Wizards of the Coast have actually mentioned that they're going to be porting, like, all the cards onto Magic Online so we can actually play with all of them, not just, like, the main set. So that's, What a like, concept. Woo! Yeah. Can you Finally. imagine just getting all of them at all, all times? Uh, <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and they added a bunch of ones from before that we've been waiting for. Yeah. So, finally, they're, yeah. they're getting there. It took them a while, but they're getting there. Yeah, so not only can we talk about the cards we're hyped for, we can actually play with them on Magic Online too, which is great, not just in paper. Hooray! <laughs> what a concept again. <laughs> what a concept. Um, and that that lovely voice you're hearing is the Asian Avenger, also known as Krim. How's it going, Krim? Uh, freshly awake, like quite literally. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, doing good. Doing good, yep. excited. Got to play a lot of Dominaria yesterday, so yeah. I wish I had as clean a bedhead as you, Krim, if you're freshly awake. I, What's your I, secret? Uh, bedhead <laughs> is the best hair hair glue ever. As you can see, I just kind of like... <laughs> just smoosh it to the side. Good, yeah. good to go. Like, from when I started this phone call, there was like this weird part. Like I was like from the, an early 90s sitcom, and now I've kind of like moved it over. <laughs> well, it's working quite well. <laughs> uh, well, before we jump into the cards, uh, two quick reminders. First, if you want to support the channel, uh, you can do it two different ways. First, you can like and subscribe uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, be it YouTube, Spotify, uh, iTunes, wherever. Uh, whatever the equivalent of liking and subscribing, go do that. And the second way you can support the channel is you can head on over to our store, mtggoldfishmerch.com. You can purchase deck boxes, deck sleeves, t-shirts, and so much more over at mtggoldfishmerch.com. All right, with that out of the way, kick it off, Seth, with the number one card on your list. Uh, cards you're hyped for to play with uh, from Dominary United. So, Dominary United has a, a legendary theme, and it's got a ton of really cool legends. Uh, so many, especially if you get into the box toppers and all the other stuff. But there's a couple of legends that really stick out that I'm super hyped to build around. And number one is Ivy Gleeful Spell Thief. It's a new two-mana Simic legend. You get a 2-1 flyer, it's a fairy rogue, none of that really matters. The cool part of this card is when a player casts a spell... That targets only a single creature other than Ivy. You can copy that spell, and the copy targets Ivy. So this is just such a fun card to build around. Uh, it does a few different things. You can play it as like a weird Simic Aura style deck. I, I'm envisioning this mostly being my commander. I think this is the kind of effect you really want to build around. I'm sure there's some decks you could jam it in the 99, but you build around this. It's in the command zone. You can play it like a weird Aura's Boggle style deck, where you just like play some hexproof creatures, maybe throw Auras on those. 
you get extra copy on your ivy maybe they have etbs that draw cards and then you're drawing two cards but the coolest thing to do with this card and what i can't wait to do with this card is play it as a mutate commander. It's like so perfect for mutate because mutate actually targets. And then if you mutate onto something else, you're also going to mutate onto Ivy and you're going to have these ridiculous mutate files going. So I just think this card's really neat. It's unique. It seems really fun to build around. Mutate's hasn't really had good commanders it's a really cool mechanic but if you look at the, the actual commanders from mutate decks they're all pretty underwhelming i think to actually build around uh, so i'm just hyped about this card because i think it's a really fun one to build around it looks feel, interesting yeah for sure uh it's also super cheap yeah yeah two, two mana, mana i mean mana you can't costs. complain about two mana two mana planes or two mana planeswalkers two mana commanders <laughs> is a good place to be because this is going to be a target for removal i assume if you play this people are going to be like oh we should probably kill this because they're going to do something crazy but since it's two mana even if it dies like getting it back into play once or even twice after it dies shouldn't really be a huge issue because like you said it's only two mana starting off yeah and it's a very unique effect like uh, the one of the close uh, comparisons that I have to it is like something like Orovar or Zada, but these are very different effects. Like the fact that you can just copy mutate piles with Ivy or copy mutate creatures and make like double the mutate piles is very different. Copying auras um, is also quite different as well. You're not just co- you're not just limited to like instants or sorceries. You can you can copy those as well, but. Ivy is very much uh, open-ended on how you want to build her. And yeah, the fact that she's cheap means she's going to be very consistent. It's also kind of cute that you can steal your opponent's spells. I don't know how much this is going to come up in practice, because I was starting to think, like, are there any commander staples that your opponent's going to cast that you're going to want to redirect or get a copy of on your Ivy? A lot of times the answer is no. Your opponent's casting, like, a Path to Exile on something or a Beast Within on something, and you obviously don't want that to go on your Ivy. But imagine, like, having this out and running into, like, a Feather player or some sort of Auras player that's playing, like, Rankers and Umbras and stuff like that. Like, you can get a lot of free value just by getting copies of the stuff your opponent's casting if you happen to be at the right table and up against the right deck. So I don't know how often that's going to come up, but when it does come up, it's going to be pretty hilarious, actually, I think. You should yeah. play Spellskite as well in the deck just for fun. <laughs> so that you get steal as many things that can yeah. happen. Steal steal it all. That does actually Adds sound kind of sweet. Well. Yeah. I, I can imagine just making a, a light pause deck, which is absolutely miserable. As you're copying every single aura <laughs> that they're copying as well. And you just like Al Valtro on them. Especially um, if you're like able to keep up with them because it comes down on turn two as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's just great. That's mm-hmm. just great. And Fairy Rogue? I mean, maybe is fairly yeah. decently relevant. I don't know. Yes, I don't Seth, let, let's by that. Yeah, let's not say who cares about those types. I care about those types. <laughs> I know you do, Krim, but really, it's in Simic, so it's in very awkward colors for fairies or rogues. Like, if you just look at popular commanders, and its ability, does its ability do anything with those tribes? I don't know. Are you going to try to find a way to jam this in, like, fairy or rogue tribal? Prowl no. cards. I don't no, know. the one that takes an extra turn. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I just, knows? I just, I just respect the tribe. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's it, it's in the miserable simic. So you know, I'm pretty fond yeah. of that. <laughs> well, you can you can splash it, right? Like you, you don't necessarily have to put Ivy in the nine in the hundred. If there's like a if you're playing like Brokos, like Brokos mutate or something, I don't know. You can jam Ivy in that as well, so you have access to more mutate cards, and you still get that sweet value when she shows up. 
I just like is, having her consistently there. That's why. So I, I think that's that's the thing. Because if you're gonna build a deck with Ivy, I feel like you got to go a little more all in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, and I I I like having her. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, losing out on the whole third color though does suck. But like, are you? What are you getting out of mutate in black? Except for like, what what is it? The the commander, the one that came from the precon. Yeah, I oh, was dreamy. I was thinking that too. There's not like uh, there's not a ton of essential black cards. I don't think like the best mutate cards are really in Simic. So you lose out on like the removal yeah. bat thing, whatever that's called, dirge bat. I think it is. Yeah, there's okay. a drain like sort of like gray merchanty the... drainy mutate creature whose name I definitely don't remember. So there's a couple that are okay, but I think like the all stars are mostly. You know, auspicious sterics and gem razors yeah. and dreamtail hedrons, like stuff like that that's in Simic. So you lose Sawtusk a little bit, but Demolisher. you don't. Yeah, Sato's Demolisher. I don't think you lose a ton by going straight Simic with uh, with your mutate deck, really. That's fair. All right. Well, moving on. Krim, what is a card that you're very hyped for jamming in Dominaria United for Commander? Well,. You know, since we're, I, I gotta match it. If we're, if we're starting off with our favorite legendaries, uh, I think I gotta start off with a Demir one that's about, like, you know, benefits if somebody baby rages. Uh, it is all about Ramses Assassin Lord. I am so excited because, A, I love assassins. Uh, I had a Marchesa deck already, but now I'm gonna figure out what it's like to drop white and red and add blue. So I'm going to make my, like, umpteenth uh demir commander and it is two blue black death touch human assassin other assassins you control get plus one plus one and whenever a player loses the game if they were attacked the turn this turn by an assassin you controlled you win the game (laughs) this card is so funny it's such a troll card and i absolutely love it it is such a sweet, sweet commander, uh, and it and like it's so if like you swing in with your your usually unblockable assassins, and then somebody concedes that turn, uh, or they they concede that turn, it feels so good. You'll get a free win. It's great. Wait, wait, are you actually? Playing like and getting weird. concession kills out of this? I was thinking you just like killed you, them with your assassins. That would be another fair another square. way going conceding. No, I I fully, I fully plan on getting the concession win. <laughs> what you're like playing Winter War and stuff as well? Like, just... no, no, oh my god, should I just I mean, build it as a hidden stacks deck? That'd I'm... be so funny. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people do concede to Krim deck, so maybe for Krim this, act, this plan actually would work. He just plays all his Krim cards, and people are like, oh, okay, I'm done with this. So you just got to sneak in that one assassin attack first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind, um, it, it's only when they lose the game after they were attacked this turn. So the real the real way to play this out is you attack them with an assassin. It could be like a 1-1 changeling, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then, then post-combat, you, you drop the winter orb or stasis. <laughs> then you get them to concede, and then you win the game. I don't even need the stacks pieces. I don't even play stacks cards. <laughs> well, I guess I I don't consider them stacks. <laughs> but like oh, uh, like you could uh, just oppo agenting after or something like that. I mean, you could just pre- concede pre combat, but you know, eh. I mean, yeah. it is a really cool card. Like this is if you yeah. can kill one person, you kill the you assassinate the entire table essentially, yeah. and you get the win. Yeah. So the design on it's really cool and. 
there's some pretty sweet assassins. Like there's there are there, there, yeah. It's like a tribe. It's not one of those like we saw like badger support in this set or mm-hmm. something like that, where it's like oh, there's like three of those that they've ever printed. There's actually enough assassins that you can build like a pretty realistic and well, like fun looking assassin deck. So I like this one a lot too. I know this is very much like Crim's play style, but it's got a little against odds in there too with the you win the game mode on there. So I can see it being like a cool challenge card to try to pull off and get the like kill the whole table by killing one person win yeah yeah i looked i looked into this one and i was, I was considering a couple different ways like the first way like you said said you could go assassin tribal um there's not there's a lot of assassins there's not a lot of assassin support cards but there's one mari the the uh, killing quill which just came out in new she's so good yeah it gives assassins mercenaries and rogues death touch and uh whenever a creature dies uh you exile instead and uh if you deal combat damage with your rogues or your assassins in this case um to a player you can remove a hit counter from from a from a card that got just exiled with his ability draw a card make treasure tokens and there's another one much more ancient from uh lorwyn block scarblade elite you can tap it remove an assassin card in your graveyard from the game to destroy target creature so there are tribal support cards and another interesting way you just... uh, that you can use them is like Voltron. Like one of the key uh, weaknesses of a Voltron deck is that you're trying to kill one person at a time through via combat damage with your commander. So if you Voltron up Ramses, he starts as a four four with Death Touch, which is not super impressive. But the idea is that if you deal twenty one damage combat uh, uh, commander damage to one opponent, or you just kill them with Ramses however you want, then you you kill the entire table so you basically triple the effectiveness of your voltron strategy with ramses as the commander oh. too oh i i like that i mean that seems like that seems kind of easy to pull off just like make it unblockable yeah. in hatred and hit the person with the lowest life total and then you win the entire game when normally like hatred's risky we've seen that in commander clash where you hatred and you end up at like three life and you killed someone but then the next person just kills you this like ah oh, that makes it even more exciting actually that yeah. you can go multiple I, directions with that that's a cool idea i know this is going to be a little blasphemous to even mention but like <laughs> you could even add like infect <laughs> yeah <laughs> right like yeah. you you could add infect like you Change could play yeah and yeah. even even then, like I know Scythrix isn't an assassin. Um, you can't. You just need to get one person dead. So this this is the one, and like have an assassin swing with it, mm-hmm. right? But like this is the one thing where it might. It's just the playstyle. You're gonna gonna kind of just focus on one person and never ease off of them. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that- like that is that is the playstyle of the deck, and because you, you just need to get one person dead, and then and, you win. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the, the best part is that you mentioned, like, Mari, she's great, but you forget to mention Royal Assassin. I haven't played that in so long. I can't, yeah. play to, I can't wait to play my white-bordered Royal Assassin. It's going to be so sick. Oh! <laughs> yeah. There's another Assassin I want to mention where Ramses might actually fit well in the 99 of. And that's a Trotta the Silencer. It's a mm-hmm. vampire assassin. Yep. Can't be blocked. When it deals combat damage to a player, you exile target creature that player controls and put a hit counter on that card. And they lose the game if they own three or more exiled cards with hit counters on them. So Trotta is like, there's there's a draw of essentially Voltron strategies where you try to basically uh, kill your opponents by exiling uh, three of their creatures. Now doing that to each opponent is obviously very difficult but it's much more easy to do it to one opponent 
in Ramses basically triples the effectiveness of that strategy because as soon as you attack Exile, uh, the third creature with a hit counter on it, you kill them. Ramses is on the battlefield, so now you win the game as well. So there, and, there's, there is uh, multiple ways to take this card, even though it is just Assassin Tribal, uh, which is kind of interesting. You would think that, right? Like, there, there actually aren't that... You know, like, Assassin seems kind of random, but, like, there's actually a good a chunk of it, right? Like, there's the Battle mm-hmm. Bond one that is going to be in my deck. Uh, 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 it's the three-mana one, um, and it when it deals combat damage... Uh, it has partner, but when it deals combat damage, uh, let me uh, Virtus. I, I pulled up my deck list. Um, oh, the half Virtus lower half yeah. the total rounded up. That expedites the process of lowering someone's health. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you really get and like everything of yours kills a creature, right? So you you should find a way through. You'll mm-hmm. even get to play Stalking Assassin, which looks like he's just sitting with spilled egg on his head. <laughs> like, that's an old one from Invasion. And, like, Sabo's Assassin. There's so many things that are, are just assassins and just tap and kill stuff. So you should be able to clear the way pretty mm-hmm. easily. I think there was one concern where you could counter Ramsey's ability if, like, right. you know you're going to die to uh, attack the attack from Ramsey's. You could, like concede <laughs> pre-combat yep. yeah pre-combat yep. but like i think i think that's more of like an internet concern i like if somebody's actually doing that they're a jerk and like <laughs> you should just ignore what they did like i don't know <laughs> it, it shouldn't come up in a real game and if it does the person's being a jerk so you know although although if they do concede pre-game it does put an ear to ear smile it's like uh, <laughs> yeah. mission accomplished in a way <laughs> mission accomplished <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, no, yeah. no. Uh, all right, moving on uh, to my first pick. This is a commander that I am probably going to be building a paper deck because it's just too sweet. Uh, this is Tetsuo Imperial Champion. It's a Grixis, a three mana Grixis uh, commander, blue, black, and red for a three three legendary creature, human samurai, and it has a triggered ability when it attacks. Uh, if it's equipped, you choose one. Either it deals damage equal to the highest mana value among equipments attached to it to any target, or you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand with mana value less than or equal to the highest mana value among equipments attached to Tetsuo without paying its mana cost. So I see this as kind of like a uh, equipment, Grixis equipment deck, kind of, it could be Voltroni, it could be Controly. But the main idea is that it has, like, Tetsuo has to be equipped by, with something for it to function. And that's something you don't ever see in Grixis. You don't really see equipment support in Grixis. It's usually in the realm of Boros colors. And so this is really enticing to me, just, you know, the, a, a new area to explore. But there's a lot of really cool things you can actually do with Tetsuo. So first of all, um, you can make the, the first ability, the, the direct damage, uh, more lethal by adding a death touch uh, equipment onto it, like Be- Bowser's uh, Collar gives it lifelink and death touch. So any damage you deal with uh, Tetsuo's first ability onto a creature is lethal. Um, there's also really cool equipments that like, just you won't see in any other deck that take advantage of this very specific situation of like an equipped creature attacking. The best one is Scythe of the Wretched, two mana artifact equipment, equipped creature that's plus two plus two. Whenever a creature dealt damage by the equipped creature this turn is put into a graveyard, return that card to play under your control. 
So you could like, if you're just dealing damage, lethal damage with Tetsuo's uh, uh, targeted damage ability, it's an equipped creature. So you just steal whatever you kill with it, which is hilarious. And the last thing that I really like, as long as you have any equipment on, it doesn't matter what the main value is, as long as it's like a zero or or, or higher, uh, you can cast suspend spells um, yeah. that normally wouldn't have a way to cast them from your hand. Ancestral Vision, for example, is a zero mana value uh, uh, suspend hey. spell that doesn't have a casting cost. You can only suspend it traditionally. However, if you have this alternate cast cost with Tetsuo, you can just draw three cards uh ancestral recall uh you can uh inevitable betrayal which is a bribery so you steal somebody's creature from their deck you could uh i think there's at least a, one other good one profane uh, tutor nothing about pretty good the tutor yeah, profane, profane tutor, tutor. yeah yeah, yeah. Like, so so there's like a lot of like little neat things in the deck that kind of come together that can be like either really good for voltron or maybe just like a grixis control style using equipment and i don't know i find this very enticing to me that's I, something definitely new. Um, I, I, you know, playing pretty much a lot of uh, Grixis decks, like having like the potential to have a Voltron E deck, uh, feels pretty cool. Yeah, I really I like commanders that uh, bring themes into different color combinations. If you look on like EDH rack equipment, are a really popular archetype in commander, mm-hmm. but Grixis doesn't show up. Period. Like out of the top twenty <laughs> color combinations, there's like none of them. I think the most popular one is probably like Mishra Artificer Prodigy, which is like a full on meme style deck essentially. So I really love the the color combination of this card. Although I do have one like little concern about how people might build this deck because when i first saw this my thought was oh this could do a lot of cool things or i can just use this to cast like extra turn spells for free again and again until i win so uh, i hope that that isn't what it ends up being i because that's always disappointing when there's this like really cool commander that can do really cool things and then it just ends up being like take all the turns commander and then i get sick of it pretty quickly (laughs) yeah I think the nice thing with well, I guess the nice thing with Tetsuo is that I don't think he's the best option for an extra turn style deck. Like what makes Narset and Lion Master so good at extra turns is not only is she casting those uh extra turn spells for free, which is what Tetsuo could do if you have a high enough equipment attached to him. Uh she does it all by herself, but she also digs towards your next extra turn spell. Whereas yeah. you need some other way. You need not only do you need like a five or higher mana value equipment on him to even start casting uh, extra turn spells off his ability. But then you need to find the the further extra turn spells. Either you can recur the extra turn spells from your graveyard or you need to just continually tutor them up. So it doesn't seem like the best option there. That's true. I guess you will fizzle. I guess you'll fizzle at some point yeah. because you're not gonna you're not gonna draw that many of them. So that is that is a good point. But yeah it's definitely a a super fun design. So, Rixis, he's also uh, very good in fact, so you could still yeah. make them salty. Like the the targeted damage can be infect damage. Like I'm just saying. And there, there's even the infect the infect equipment. Yeah, go to go to town. Yeah. Yo, infect <laughs> might be coming back yeah. with returning to Phyrexia. Who knows? Yep. Who knows? I, oh, I, fingers crossed. I don't think they will, but fingers crossed. I love that mechanic. In fact, in Frexian mana, all at once, bringing back yes. everyone's favorite mechanics. <laughs> Let everybody just, you know, make everyone upset. The <laughs> like, true nostalgia set. Also, <laughs> while it's not good with extra turns, extra combat, Godo, Bandit, Warlord, uh, 
it's a samurai. Tetsuo Imperial Champion is a samurai. Goto not only finds an equipment, puts it onto the battlefield, but whenever it attacks, uh, you untap it and all samurai you control. So you get another... T- so not only do you get an equipment directly onto the battlefield to equip onto Tetsuo if you need it, but then you get an extra combat step with Tetsuo as well, which means another trigger uh, on his on his thing. So there are there are shenanigans. Ah, I'm very excited for this. I'm very excited for this commander. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> Um, but yes, moving on, because we got a lot left to go. Seth, what do you got number two for us? So I have a, a Dark Horse pick that I haven't really seen people talking about, but I think this card is pretty interesting in the context of Commander, and that is Thran Portal. It's one of the lands from the set. So it's a gate. The ETBs tapped unless you have two or fewer lands. When it enters the battlefield, you choose a basic land type. It is that type in addition to its other type, which is gate. And then mana abilities on Thran Portal cost one additional life to activate. So you gotta, you gotta take one from it. So why would I be excited about this card? And the answer is not gates. Even though I do love gate decks and I would play this in a gate deck because it has a chance of coming into play untapped. It can be any color. The reason I'm excited about this card is the way they worded this. You can play this in any deck. And there's not a ton of reasons that you might want an island in your mono white deck or a forest in your mono blue deck. But we also just got the return of the domain mechanic, which cares really specifically about the number of basic land types you have. And a lot of powerful domain cards are monocolored. Like, it's the cards mm-hmm. themselves are not usually a five-color mechanic. They're monocolored, one-color. There's artifacts that are powerful that have domain. This is a way that you can up your domain count, even if you're not a five-color deck. So if you want to play Sphinx of the Clear Skies or something, this new, like, factor... If you hit your opponent, you factor fiction off the Sphinx. If you want to play something like that, but you're a three-color deck, this is a way that you can cheat on your domain count a little bit and get more value out of or a card like collective restraint which is really powerful if you're five colors like a super ghostly prison where people got to pay equal to the number of land types you have that card gets a lot better if you have something like this in your deck and you're able to get this on the battlefield and up your land count so i think this doesn't matter for like a huge amount of decks but i really love that they formatted this in a way that it works in commander it works with the the color identity rules and really does help power up the the domain mechanic if you're not playing full-on five color but still want to play some of the sweet domain cards it's also a gate i mean it's also yeah if you're playing a gate deck you're playing nine fingers <laughs> or something like that like it is it's a easy inclusion one of the problems with gates is gates always come into play untapped and even though this yeah. is often going to come into play uh, tapped i guess uh, there are times when this is going to come into play untapped early so you can play a ramp spell or something when your other gates are going to be tapped so i like yeah. that and plus gate decks they just want as many gates as as possible so i wouldn't play this just in any deck but if your hmm. gates or if you have domain synergies and you can take advantage of that basic land type then i think this is actually a, a very powerful card in those like very specific decks yeah yeah i, I mean yeah it's been great i i actually was curious how it felt like i mean in commander i didn't think of it i mean i i played with it in standard and it was really good there so i don't know I mostly just love how they formatted it because I feel like this is a card they could have formatted in a way that didn't work with the color identity where uh, rules or like limited it only to five color decks with the color identity rules because it doesn't matter in standard like commander is the only format that has color identity rules so they could have uh, they could have formatted in any possible way and it would have worked in every other format they but they managed to do it in a way where it does work in any deck in commander which I think is kind of neat so sn- sneaky little design I think from uh, from wizards. Yeah, sneaker design that is going to be really nice to have for 
very specific decks to care about, you know, getting an extra domain color in or if you're the gate deck. I think yeah. I think Nine Fingers is the one that's going to be like, there's going to be players out there who really want that deck to work, but being in Sultai is so constraining for the number of gets, gates you have. So every extra one that you can play in Sultai now is a, a I, blessing. I was just looking at Nine Fingers, thinking about building it for a, <laughs> anything goes Commander Clash. And to get enough gates to turn on Nine Fingers, which yeah. happens to be nine, you need to have like almost every single gate that are in its colors. I think there's like one surplus gate or something. So yeah. any additional gate that can go in Saltai and isn't something that gets wrecked by color identity rules is a huge, huge <laughs> deal for Nine Fingers in specific. Yeah. All right, moving on. What do we got, Krim, for the next card on your list? On uh, Chuck. Yes, <laughs> I know. To nobody's <laughs> surprise, it is a saga. It's Urza Assembles the Titan. Uh, it has read ahead, which allows you to essentially have it enter the battlefield and start on whatever chapter you want. You won't get the previous chapters, though. Uh, but yeah, the first mode is scry for, then you may reveal the top card of your library. Uh, if a planeswalker card is revealed this way, put it in your hand. And then the second chapter is you may put a planeswalker card with the mana value six or less from your hand onto the battlefield. And then last chapter, you may activate planeswalker a loyalty abilities twice that turn so uh this is exactly as you all know i love my aminatu super friends deck aminatu can keep flickering uh and that is great because then i think this on its own allows you to just keep partying i mean like like with your your ursus assembling the titans uh mm-hmm. allowing my super friends deck to just keep dropping planeswalkers or maybe digging for planeswalkers uh, and then, of course, you could have it just start on the third chapter and then start using the abilities multi- uh, two times a turn. Uh, like, th- that's that's so good, right? Like, I, I think that's so good. Enters the battlefield, immediately start chapter three, flicker it, do something else. You know what I mean? Like, just keep the Planeswalker party going. This is the perfect card for my Super Friends deck. Yeah, I think if you're playing any Super Friends deck, then this is, at least in the in the conversation for your deck, I think Krim's right, that if you can flicker and implink it, it gets even more exciting. But, I mean, I would probably jam this in a random, like, Atroxa Super Friends deck, or, like, if you're mm-hmm. playing a Zika Super Friends, I think it just offers enough value. Even though, like, any individual mode is, like, not super strong, we have cards that do what it does but more consistently like the last mode is probably the most exciting but like oath of teferi just does that forever with no shenanigans necessary the fact that you get all these things put together and you get you know some digging hopefully hitting a planeswalker into some ramping into a one-shot oath of teferi i think that makes it worth it in pretty much any deck that's built around planeswalkers but you do have to be like dedicated super friends if you're just like oh i got a couple of planeswalkers in my deck this is going to leave you very, very sad. You have to be, like, actual, like, super friends is the theme of your deck, and you're playing, like, whatever, 30 Planeswalkers or something. And one thing I noticed just playing this in Standard a little bit is it's perfect for your play style because that second lore counter is sneaky powerful. Yes, you're putting the Planeswalker into play for free, but what that really means is you have all your mana up. So you're getting to develop your board and play your Planeswalker, but you're still leaving yep. up your counter spell or whatever protection, your Oath of Teferi, whatever you need to protect your team. So I think that's that's like a, a surprisingly powerful mode on this, being able to play a Planeswalker and have your mana available. Right, because usually you're going to want to sweep the board or do something, and then that will yep. allow you to do that and put a Planeswalker. Oh, yeah, you can go, <laughs> dig for a Planeswalker the next turn, get it for free, farewell with your mana, protect your Planeswalker on the empty board, yeah. and just like go off. Like, oh, so good. 
Yeah. I it love makes, that. It makes chapter one so much better in, in hindsight, like, or like with the whole thing in mind, right? Like chapter one is fantastic. You always want to start there if you, if, if you need it. And chapter three is fantastic if you're ready to pop off. Chapter two, you're never going to start on, but it's always a great thing to have, right? Like, yeah. you want to start chapter one, start your turn, all untap mana, cheat in like a six drop or something like that. No Ugin though. How do you how do you feel about how do you guys feel about uh, no cheating into play Ugin or uh, or uh, the big old Karn? I mean, I play tons of Planeswalkers across the board, so I I don't mind that like at all. I like that's and because I have no Ugin, maybe that's where I make up for it by having all my open mana, mm-hmm. right? So I I think I'm a okay with that. I think it was a restriction designed to prevent bad things in other formats i think in commander there you didn't need to have that restriction but i'm wondering if we're gonna get like some powerful seven mana planeswalker in the next that way they talked about big colorless artifact stuff who knows maybe there's like a not disappointing karn in the next set that's gonna make up for the horrible one they just gave us and it's like seven mana or something so i think it makes sense for other formats so it doesn't bother me but in commander i think you don't need that restriction like if you play this and dump to ugin into play like that's not any different than many other things you could be doing in Commander already. Fair enough. Uh, all right, we'll move on. Um, and I have a pick that is uh, very, very unsurprising. I think some people aren't that familiar with Tetsuo, but I think this is going to be the breakout. It is. It is going to be the most popular uh, Commander in the entire set. So I have to shout it out because it is, it is worth, uh, worth the, the hype. This is Joda, the Unifier which is a new uh, Wooburg, five-color commander. Uh, Wooburg co- costs, so five-mana Wooburg, uh, for a 5-5 five, five legendary creature, human wizard, that has two abilities. First ability says, legendary creatures you control get plus X plus X, where X is the number of legendary creatures you control. That, inc- that includes Joda itself. So Joda itself is a 5-5, five, five, but his own ability makes him a 6-6 six, six on the battlefield uh, just by itself. Uh, and then the second ability is basically Legendary Cascade. Uh, whenever you cast a Legendary spell from your hand, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a Legendary non-land card with lower mana value. Uh, you may cast that card without paying its mana cost, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So Joda does two things. First, just makes all your Legendary creatures huge. So he definitely focuses more on uh, legendary creatures as opposed to any sort of legendary cards. Although the legendary cascade works with any type of legendary uh, card, or every type of non-land legendary card, to clarify. Uh, so not just creatures, but there's legendary sorceries like uh, Urza's Ruinous Blast, Karn's Temporal uh, Fissure or Mastery or whatever. Um, those trigger this as well. Your Planeswalkers trigger this as well. Um, so it's card advantage, mana advantage, and a finisher all rolled into one. This is going to be hype. I don't know. Like, it's going to be the most popular one, obviously. It has so much appeal. It's five color. Uh, yeah, it's everybody loves it. But I think it's... It, it, that aside, the, the super popularity aside, I think it's very justified. This is super fun. I, I, I don't know. I'm super excited to to try this out. Spinning my wheel on Legendary Cascade. Who doesn't love that? Jota's yeah, they- one of my favorite cards in the set, too. Although, like... I'm kind of worried it might be too strong. Not in the sense yeah. that it would need to be banned, but in the sense that 
you can't let people on tap with this. Like this is yeah. this is let's just like yeah. kill on site. So you're gonna want to yeah. be like, oh, I'm gonna play my Jota and like cast all my cool things and fun stuff's gonna happen. But your opponents are like justifiably either gonna arch enemy you to get rid of the problem altogether, or just have to repeatedly kill this. Because if you untap with this for one turn, you're gonna have just like a huge board of legends and cast so many cards from the cascade. So I almost wish it was like slightly less threatening it's just like so obviously mm-hmm. powerful that everyone's gonna have to kill it so i love the card and if you make it work it's gonna be spectacular and it seems super fun but from the other side of the table you just you gotta kill it or kill the the jota player mm-hmm. yeah like that, you're just not letting them untap with this that that <laughs> card is just so good right like i mean it, yeah threatening high power commanders that you have to kill before they untap is kind of like a dime a dozen of these. Like we talk, remember when we were talking in AFR Mirim, it was like the same same Jota's just another Mirim, right? Like yeah. if you untap with the Mirim, you win the game. If you untap with the Jota, you win the game. So I guess maybe the only annoying thing maybe is legendary cascade might take a while for you to flip the cards or something. Eh, probably not actually. I don't no. know. I, yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> a high power no commander. Way. It's a high power commander. Probably don't run at a low power table because even if you like, oh, it's super thematic or whatever, you're just going to crush everybody. But like, it's a high power commander. Run at high power decks or high power tables. It'll be absolutely fine. And, and just don't be salty about people killing your commander. Well, yeah. If you don't, they don't, you win. So <laughs> yeah, they, they, the other people are doing the right thing if they kill it. Yeah. I do like that. Well, I like two things about it. One is, if you build a Jota deck and it's too high-powered, it feels like it should be easy to switch to maybe Sisse or something and run, like, literally the same deck, but, like, not be quite as busted. The Mm -hmm. other thing I like is... Even though Sisse Weatherlight Captain also is like a five color legendary commander, you can pay Wooberg to tutor a legendary permanent with converted, value mal- uh, converted mana value, lessen its power onto the battlefield, and it gets big based on the number of legends you control. So it's also a five color legend commander, but it's often used for different things. Like Joda specifically cares mm-hmm. for the most part about legendary creatures. When mm-hmm. Sisse, people play it as like a shrine commander or non creature legends. So even though when I first saw Joda, I was like, why would I ever play Sisse? But now the more I think, about it i think there still is a role for sizzle weather like captain even though joda is like kind of in a similar space as a five color legends matter commander yeah sizzle can tutor up cauldron pieces so she's strictly better <laughs> but joda joda has that sweet legendary cascade and i love cascading so i also i also appreciate the that joda anthem. is a coat of arms effect right yeah like, yeah so you, the joda player is not going to dirtle that much eventually you're just going to have 2020s and you could just end the game. So, like, there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel if Jota gets to pop off. And that, oh, that yeah. light comes comes very quickly because it's actually a high-speed train coming at you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I appreciate that. I always like, if there's, like, Dirtle value commanders these days, I hope that they always come with a giant booty that can end games very quickly. Just like Miram. Like, you can't really Dirtle with Miram. You're just going to die after, like, one or two turns of Miram doing its thing. And I appreciate that. Because if you're if you're popping off, I just want you to to end my life just, so we just can go kill to game me too. <laughs> yeah. Krim would find Jota a way. Krim would find I, a way to cascade through his deck but not kill anyone. I don't. I don't know how he'll put him in snaring bridge or something and then and then has, go off. He has like quadruple lethal. And he says pass. <laughs> cascade I have, again. Uh, I've been known to uh, infamously pass the turn. So regardless, <laughs> what if they have settled the wreckage though? Yeah, yeah. What if, or or what if I'm playing my MMO mouse and I'm button mashing? You know what I yeah. mean. So like, there's a strong chance I yeah. do just pass. 
But yeah, it's it's gonna be sweet. I'm I'm super excited to get my hands on it. At least and see it, see it in Commander Clash. Obviously, it needs to get hated out or it wins. But if it doesn't get hated out, then party on. <laughs> um. All right, moving on. Seth, what do you got for us for number three on your uh, list? We got another one of my my favorite commanders from this. There's really two. I mentioned Ivy. That's on my my top two list. The other commander I cannot wait to build around is Rotodrobic of Urborg, a new Orzov zombie wizard. It's a 3-3. It is Vigilance in War 2. It gives your other zombies vigilance, which, whatever. I'm not thinking this is a zombie tribal commander. The cool part is the last part of this card. Whenever another legendary creature you control dies, create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's not legendary and it's a 2-2 black zombie in addition to its other colors and types so essentially your your legends die and you're gonna get another copy of those legends but they're non-legendary and notice when i saw this i assumed that it was gonna be kind of like a, a scarab god or god pharaoh's gift effect where you do this thing but you exile the creature like you, you gotta exile mm-hmm. it it doesn't say that you don't mm-hmm. have to exile it so it's going back in the graveyard which means you can reanimate it you can recur it there's all kinds of synergies for this like maybe the the easiest synergy is uh lisa forgotten archangel a, a legendary Ooh. creature it's a five mana four or five flying lifelink that says when another non-token creature you control dies Return that card to its owner's hand at the beginning of your next end step. And if a creature opponent would control, uh, control would die, you have to exile it. So essentially, if you have both of these out, you have Rocket Robic, you have Lisa. If a legend dies, you're going to get the non-legendary zombie token copy of it. And then you're going to get the real legend back into your hand so you can do it again. Throw in a sacrifice outlet or something. Mm-hmm. And you're just like going to town. <laughs> and there's so many cool legends. Like, imagine this in Tisa Karlov. We're getting double the tokens each time. Imagine in Tisa Karlov with an anointed procession on the battlefield to get even more tokens. You're going to get so many copies of the same legend on the battlefield there's powerful like legendary dragons and Micaeuses, and it's just like oh it's such a neat card i just uh, this is exactly the kind of cards i love to build around in commander i don't know if this is like super strong but when it goes off it's just going to do like really unique things that no other commander can do this is like unique text on a magic card that we've never really seen a card that can do what rocket robic does so this is one that uh, i might have to build this one on paper too this is very high in my my build around list from the set yeah i i think this this card is fantastic and like you said we we usually see these these effects exile the card but in this case there's so many overlapping synergies with lisa i will i will throw in a synergy uh that will just make the best mdfc in the game even better uh i'm i'm talking of course of malakir rebirth which says if a creature would die this turn then you uh return to the battlefield um, so again, with your sack outlet, you get your Kakusho or whatever on the battlefield, you know, and you have your sack outlet also on the battlefield. You put Malakir or Birth for what mana on it? You sacrifice a Kakusho, you drain everybody for, for five. Kakusho immediately re-enters the battlefield and you get the token copy of it and you maybe sacrifice them again, dome them for 15. Malakir or Birth for one mana. The best <sighs> MDC. I'm just being vindicated every single set, basically. Every single set. We that's ah. MDFC. <laughs> you can it sack it. To, you could use oh if you're if you're splashing blue if this is in the ninety nine then you can use the best blue board wipe fade away and sacrifice your legends to it intentionally. Okay, there, there's <laughs> actually like merit to the <laughs> to the the other MDFC Malakir Rebirth. I don't. 
I don't, I don't know what we're, we're talking about. <laughs> Come on. There, there is a reason to splash blue in this deck, though. I mean, you can't play it with it as your commander, but if you play blue in your deck, you can play Leyline of Singularity, which just says all non-legendary permanents, or all permanents are, all non-land permanents are legendary. So what this does oh. is it makes the tokens legendary, and then there's super easy infinite loops, because uh, you oh. play something at legend rules, the token's going to be legendary, so that's going to legend rule, and you just keep going and going and going and go like infinite aristocrat shenanigans i don't know the best commander for that uh going into blue definitely is a problem you can't do this with rocket rob because you're commander uh but if you can find a way to to do that in some sort of like esper aristocrat list it would be really sweet also there's potential of like finding a way to legendary rule your own rocket Robic to get multiples on the battlefield uh because one will be non-legendary once you get the token copy and then you can recast your commander or whatever and then you it uh, gets once you get multiples you on the battlefield it gets really really absurd so you can use like a lithoform engine or something to copy it on the stack white and black not the <laughs> best cloning colors but there are ways to to get two of them on the battlefield even playing this as your commander and then whoo then it's uh then it's really out of control Oh man, making the the tokens legendary is some next level <laughs> spice. I never thought about that. That sounds super fun, actually. Yeah, <laughs> infinite yeah. sacks. <laughs> yeah, that's sick. All right, we'll move on, Krim, to the third card on your list. Again, very on brand. I love it. What is it? Uh, it's Urtai Resurrected. Two blue black flash. When it enters the battlefield, choose up to one. Counter target spell, activated ability, or triggered ability, its controller draws a card, and or the other mode, which is destroy tar- another target creature or planeswalker, its controller draws a card. So, uh, this just pretty straightforward, right? Like, this is going to be something that I just love because now, at first I thought it was a little little weird, uh, th- but that was because I was thinking about it in 60 card formats. But, like, in Commander, this card is just awesome, right? I'm willing to play Arcane Denial already, so I don't mind you drawing a card. Uh, usually whatever you're trying to do over there is big enough of a haymaker to where I'm willing to let you draw a, a, a mystery card as long as it means that I either A, get to counter you and or remove the thing eventually. So the versatility of this card is just perfect and exactly what I want. Uh, on top of that, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it doesn't do what Venser does, but it's definitely like, you know, it's along the lines of a Venser. It's in the, I guess the ballpark. Uh, but like, yeah. It's just a backup Venser, essentially. And this one can just also, uh, uh, like, you know, actually just remove something as opposed to bounce something. However, Venser does bounce a land, so that's that's way different. And lastly, the card reminds me of a car, a thing from Jujutsu Kaisen. It looks like Sukuna, so, like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that sounds like a cool cartoon. I'll check it yeah, out later. Yeah, yeah, it's a great cartoon. Check it out sometime. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, this seems like uh, the ultimate to Krim, Krim Commander, honestly. Honestly, flash. Yeah, okay, it has flash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it goes in all my flash decks, my tempo decks, uh, and and then you know, like, what if I decide to make it my commander just for fun, right? Like, it's the mirror, it's Drago. You could even yeah. even deny the draw as well by like running Notion Thief. You, oh my God, Notion Thief in this. Yeah, disgusting. Yeah, that's the, that's gonna be that Narset, <laughs> you know, things like that. I mean, like, I mean, think about that. that like, sounds super fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not even a may so like where's arcane denial uh like you may draw the card so if i have notion thief you can't you, got, you, you just you say gotta. no yeah. ah, this one you have to do it and i love that so this oh i i almost want to play this as a commander actually this could be kind of fun 
It's like very oh, straightforward so... what I'm doing. Do you the... like this more than? Oh, uh, sorry. Go ahead, Seth. Oh no, go, you can go ahead. You're good. I was, I was, I was gonna ask if you like this more than uh, original Urtai. Original Urtai doesn't have to be recasted, so no. This card <laughs> is definitely not nearly. To be honest with you, I think this is probably not a good commander. But <laughs> I, I will do it just to let people know that I could. But I mean, you could put it in a 99. I think this fits in like oh. half of your 99 decks, honestly, yeah, or ha- half of the decks 1, in your 99. One thousand percent in my 99 of like, like it is, it is almost a sure thing. If it is blue and black, I will have this. Yeah. The other, the other cool thing about it is you can target your own stuff too. So mm-hmm. you can do it in a pinch to just like cycle and draw a card. But I think it gets even more exciting if you have a commander or cards that have negative triggers. Like we just got a new one in the set actually, Silkenar the Tainted, which is kind of like a demonic pack legend where you have three positive options and then the last option is you got to blink it and give it to an opponent well you can use your tie to just like counter the negative trigger and get all the benefit from it or if you're playing literal demonic pack which has a three good modes and then lose the game mode you wait and flash this in and then counter it and that's something you can do in the demir colors which is kind of unique if you look at like people playing demonic packing cards like that black and blue are not great at answering enchantments permanently so this is kind of a, a unique effect for stuff like that or like like you reanimate a phage and use this to like stifle the trigger or something. So there's some cool <laughs> shenanigans yeah. there as yeah. well. Yeah, you got you got half of it in your command zone. Like turn two phage or turn whatever three phage with ramp with this stifling the trigger. Sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. big to just have access to it at all times, right? So if, if yeah. you you can like make phage your hidden commander. Yep. Yeah, the flexibility here is neat, and I like I like how open ended a lot of these new legendaries are. Like they. They don't. They're not just like, oh, you can put it in, in this in this one version, and that's it. Like we were even talking about Ramsey. Is like, yeah, you could build Assassin Tribal, but that's not just the only way you can build it. And and it's the same with with Urtai. Like, there's so many ways you could take advantage of those two triggered abilities. That I don't know. It's very fun. Good job, Wizards. I really like the set. <laughs> um. All right. We'll move on to my third card, and this is a, this is a pretty simple one in terms of. In terms of the cards uh, on our list, this is pretty simple. This is Rivaz of the Claw, which is a new Rakdos legendary via Shino Warlock, which is just a badass. I like those two creature types. I like the art. But uh, as for the card itself, it's a three mana, one black, red, three, three legendary creature via Shino Warlock with Menace. It can tap to add two mana of any color combination um, and spend this mana only to cast dragon creature spells. And once during each of your turns, you may cast a dragon creature spell from your graveyard. Whenever you cast a creature, a uh, dragon creature from your graveyard this way, it gains when this creature dies, exile it. So not only is it uh, really a good mana acceleration, like this is a three drop that taps for two, and it also color fixes, but also every single turn, you can use it as recursion to recur your dragon creatures. So where are you going to be running this? Obviously, Dragon Tribal is going to be uh, the the most obvious option, right? Like you got yeah. uh, the Ur Dragon is is a very right. notable one. Uh, there is Blade Wing, the Risen, and there's a new Blade Wing actually that came out in Dominaria. It's so cool. Yeah, and there's a lot of synergy between those two. Especially the new Blade Wing is all about like having a stacked graveyard and then making knights equal to the number of uh, creatures in your graveyard. So stacked graveyards and rivas go like peanut butter and jelly, obviously. But obviously, if we're talking me, and this is my hype list. Tribal, tribal, 
You know, mm-hmm. um, you, uh, you're casting changelings, which are also uh, dragons. Uh, so this is a very fantastic uh, tribal ramp for your changelings. Very, very fantastic tribal ramp for your Ur dragon if he's your changeling tribe like me. And then, yeah, you can cast your changelings, not only your dragons, but also your changelings from the graveyard every single turn. Mana advantage, card advantage for three mana is just it's beautiful. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I think as far as in the, uh, playing in the 99, I think Cyan of the Ur Dragon's actually my favorite because Cyan's like mm. tutoring dragons into the graveyard and then you can use this to cast them from the graveyard and your Cyan becomes a copy of it, which is is a pretty neat synergy. There was also someone, I don't know if this would work in Commander, but someone sent me a, a standard deck list that was built around this and Lord of the Forsaken, which is a six mana demon that lets you channel, but only from spells from the graveyard, pay a life to oh, add yeah. a generic mana. So you can just like make a ridiculous amount of mana to cast your dragons from the graveyard, which is kind of a neat idea. So I like it. I don't know about like, how would you play this as your Rakdos Dragon Commander? Or would you stick with like Bladewing or something and play this in the 99? Is this like the default Rakdos Dragon Commander at this point? This is a powerful card, but I don't think it's a commander, is it? Like, I mean, I, I would, I think it's really good. It's a 99 card, right? Yeah, I mean, you could I, play I, Rakdos. So, I mean, I don't think Rakdos Dragons is ever going to be as strong as Five Color Dragons, because Five Color Dragons right. is busted and you get all the dragons. But if you wanted to be just Rakdos Dragons, it doesn't seem like a bad Rakdos Dragon commander to me. I think it really depends on how much your Blade Wing, for example. I think the only other Rakdos Dragon leader is usually a Blade Wing. One of the Blade Wings. Yeah. So if your if your Blade Wing is like so impactful when you cast it that you're going to like be rocketed ahead in the game, I think Blade Wing's better. But what I really like about Rivaz, if if you want to go Rakdos Dragons, is that it's just super consistent, right? Like every turn three, you're going to play your Rivaz and you're going to ramp out either like on turn four, you're going to be having like six mana. We're going to cast a six drop uh, dragon every single time. Even better if you like dropped a signet or like a, a soul ring or something like that on turn one and two. So you could have like a seven drop um, on on turn four, which is really good. And then, yeah, it's just a very consistent engine. It's just three mana. So it can be cast recast once or twice uh, pretty easily when it dies. Whereas like Blade Wing, the bigger the bigger dragons um, you're going to have to really rely on reanimation effects, which obviously you're in, you're in black, so you're going to be doing that stuff. But the fact that you, if you just want a consistent commander, it's it's very good. But yeah. yeah, maybe maybe more in the ninety nine. I, I think more. It's more. It's not as like flashy. So maybe more in the ninety nine. <laughs> it's a sweet um, card, though. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love the I like art. It a lot if, you, too. if you're listening to the podcast, uh, look up the art at some point. I, I'm biased. I think it's really cool. Um, but yes, we'll move on to the final round of cards. Seth, kick it off. What 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 gets you super hyped about the new set? Okay, so I, I'm gonna cheat like a tiny bit here. Mm-hmm. Like, so I just gotta shout out this card. This isn't my actual pick, but I needed to mention this card because there's been so much controversy about three mana mana rocks. Uh, and that card is Relic of Legends. Relic Relic of Legends is just a three mana mana rock that taps to add a generic mana or. Uh, and I guess technically you can tap an untap legend to add one mana of any color, a legendary creature. So essentially it's a three mana mana rock that works like a, whatever, a dark stealing it or whatever. But then it also turns your legendary creatures into like a cryptolith rights, more or less, where you can tap them like a birds of paradise. 
I just want to say this is the kind of mana rock that you can actually play. Don't fall into the trap that you can't play three mana mana rocks anymore. In general, your three mana mana rocks are not as great as they used to be, and they need to have a meaningful upside. But you know what a meaningful upside is? Being able to tap all of your random creatures to add a whole bunch of mana and cast all your spells and fix all your mana. Like, this has enough upside that if you're playing a deck that has a lot of legends in it, then I think this is a three-mana mana rock that you should be playing. So, like, in the Jota deck, in the Sisse deck, in a Azika Legends, Ketheth Legends, Rocket Robic Legends, like, any of those decks that are just built around legendary creatures, this is not just a mana rock that you should play. It's going to be the best mana rock in your deck. So, I just wanted to say that because I know people are... I see so many arguments on Twitter about, like, oh, I can't play three-mana mana rocks anymore. And that's not, like, 100% true. You shouldn't just play your Dark Steel Ingots anymore if you're trying to build an optimal deck. But that's not true for every mana rock. But my actual pick is a more interesting card at least i think it's more interesting which is hazan shaper of sand the return of hazan it's a three mana naya three three legendary human warrior it has desert walk so if uh, an opponent has a desert they're not going to be able to block it it lets you play desert lands from your graveyard and when a desert enters a battlefield under your control you make two one one red and green and white sand warrior creature tokens so this card I don't think it's super strong, but we've never had a commander that cared about deserts before, and I love the flavor of this card. I love the nostalgia of this card, calling back to the original Hazan, and I think it's actually, like, kind of a neat build-around. If you think about deserts as lands, their whole gimmick is a sacrifice for value, like Ramanop Ruins can sacrifice for damage, Hashep Oasis, sacrifice to pump, Scavenger Ground, sacrifices to exile graveyards, or they cycle, so they end up in the graveyard. So this naturally works with the deserts that we currently have in Magic, because deserts ended up in the graveyard anyway. This lets you replay them, so it's kind of like a weird source of ramp almost if you're getting a land drop out of your graveyard. And then you're also getting a couple tokens along the way, and if somehow you can have an opponent that has deserts, which I have no idea how often that's going to happen, probably not very much, then you can go Voltron, and they can't block it. So the, the punishment for people playing those OP deserts uh, has finally arrived. But I just like I like this card. I've always liked Tazan as a character, and I think this is a really cool version of it. I can't believe you would meta someone on deserts. <laughs> Got him. After I kept saying how good Scavenging Grounds is, you're like, I'll show them. I'll yeah. show them all. Yeah. <laughs> better crack it first has <laughs> Azon's coming for you <laughs> I, I, I think this is a cool commander I, I see it as like a sort of like you said like a like a lands matter lands yep. graveyard deck um, it, it, focusing on deserts which is, which is neat so we don't see that before and there's not a lot of desert support right now but I, I imagine we're going to eventually go to another place that has deserts. I think Amiket is definitely on the cards to revisit, and they had mm-hmm. a desert theme. So I, I imagine this will get better over time as well in terms of, like, if you want to focus heavily on desert decks. But right now, I think it's just really good in terms of, like, you want to play a Lands Matter deck in Nyak Colors. How many... How many commanders out there uh, are not... Well, there, there's like one or two. But my main thing is that you could play Deserts from the, the Graveyard, and I'm just going to be that person. If Richard was here, he'd say it. Land Destruction. Armageddon, you know, is really good. <laughs> yeah. Because you have Zazon. All right? You have Zazon. <laughs> cast Armageddon. And now you can play the lands from your Graveyard while your Ooh. opponents do nothing and cry. So, <laughs> I mean... 
Yeah. <laughs> you're, ah, I mean, I think you're looking at it all wrong. I think what you really do is you play this, you play a desert, you harmless offering the desert to your opponent, and then you put some equipment on them and, uh, and get in there. Uh, <laughs> and then you infect them to death with yes. exoskeleton. We've had a lot yeah, of infection fire, on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, it is it is cool. You can sack lands and get them back. You can Armageddon away the lands and get them back. There's like Sylvan Safekeeper that lets you sack a land to give a creature you control Shroud, so it protects his Azon, and then it's a way to get a land in the graveyard, a desert in the graveyard, so you recast it and get the tokens. You got landfall synergies that can go along with it if you want to go that direction. Uh, so I think it's just a, it's a neat commander. I, I like mm-hmm. it. It's a classic character, and I also like that landfall decks tend to be busted like it's just an inherently powerful archetype in commander because all of a sudden yeah. with your tayova or whatever all of your cultivates our card draw effects or all of your cultivates mm-hmm. are making scoot swarms or whatever being restricted to only deserts really powers down his azon in a way that i yeah. think you can play a landfall deck and not look as threatening as if you reveal a tayova or like a sai or something like that as long as you don't reveal Armageddon. Like, if you, imagine if you went to a table, you dropped down Hazazon, and you said, I'm not running any land destruction. You just yeah. knew who would, who would target you down. Yeah. You're worried about my sand tokens? You never know. I'm going to animate my desert and hit you for three. Like, I don't know. You never know. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's it's sweet. I like I like seeing... Like, this is, this is taking the, the classic landfall deck, and adding a very important twist to it to make it actually interesting and not the same thing we've seen a thousand times so yeah, yeah. very cool all right moving on crim what do you got for us so i have all right so this was kind of a tough one i i, I since seth cheated a little bit i'm gonna cheat <laughs> a little bit here okay uh i'm i'm adding two cards specifically uh Oh, I, I want to shout out Academy Lore Master first off. That was on my list just because that seems like a fun card in Commander. Uh, just if you, if somebody wants to draw, they can. They just have to pay two mana, mm-hmm. but then all their spells will cost two more. Uh, because at the beginning, uh, like Lore Master specifically reads uh, at the beginning of uh, let me see at the beginning of each player's draw step, that player may draw an a, additional card. If they do, uh, they 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 pay two more to cast all their spells. Yes, uh, it's a Drago card. I get it, Crib. If you, if you no, only no, cast up during your opponent's turn, we get it. No, we got got it. It. no, 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 you don't need to do, like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm just going to, like, they get to, they draw an additional card. Why wouldn't you want that? We see Each your player. hair color, Crim. I, I mean, I, I feel like, though, this is actually just great in Drago, though. Like, seriously, yeah. because, like, how the other people can't, you can't afford a two-man tax on your spells. Like, no, you can't. Uh, like, if you're trying to play during your turn, that's a huge tax. But if you're not planning on playing stuff during your turn anyway, because you're the draw go deck, you just get an extra card every turn for free. Yeah, like it's great. Yeah, it's, it's great. It, but but it's a party card as well. Like, hey, maybe, maybe there's no party. That, that's like there when you is go to a party. <laughs> this, this is when you go to a party and they don't lay in the door. You get bounced before you even make it in. Like that. That's this card because there's no way you can afford to draw the card with this very. Consistently, I don't gre- know. I think you can. If you're green, who cares? Yeah, if you're right? green, like yeah. on a landfall ev- deck, I'm but like, it's yeah, every spell, crazy. right? Like every spell you cast that turn has a two man attack. So have you ever tried to play through yeah. like a Elspeth Conqueror's death going off? It's not easy. Two man is a lot to add to every spell you That's cast. 
No I, well, the, off the, the don't don't draw the card. You know, <laughs> like yeah, like you know what I mean. Don't draw the card. Simple as that. Mm, yeah. But but that's not the pick. I wanted to name Vidalian Hexcatcher, uh, and which is a flash two mana Merfolk. Other Merfolk get plus one plus one. Sack a Merfolk. Counter target non creature spell. Uh, its control uh, controller pays one. So it just turns all your merfolk into like what is a curse catcher. It has flash. It's a lord effect. I love my merfolk, so I have a spheal on deck. Uh, and then like if it's not that card, it's Emperor Mahale, which is uh, let me see if I can pull up the exact wording on that one because that one has a line of text. But Emperor <laughs> Mahale is a three mana merfolk. Uh, it's one blue blue. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You know I love these cards. I just look at it for fun in response just to do everything. And then you may cast Merfolk spells from the top of your library. And whenever you cast a Merfolk spell, you may pay one. If you do, create a 1-1 one, one blue Merfolk creature token. So this is sweet. It just allows me to just keep partying through a bunch of Merfolks. And then every time I pay an additional one, it generates me another Merfolk. Which is great when you have, example, the Curse Catcher... Or uh, whatever the Lord is, where you tap seven Merfolk, you can counter something. Like, there, mm-hmm. there's as long as you're just continuously going wide with Merfolk, you'll be able to just like activate so many abilities. And this card allows you to just keep doing that. So, I really like this card in like Merfolk. So, very, very straightforward what home this is going in. Or, or of course, uh, tribal, tribal, if you want to, you can play this Heck in your yeah. tribal, tribal deck. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're going to do with the random Merfolk on the side, but hey, you know, whatever. Like, this, you could play it there. I think this card is cool, uh, and Merfolk got a huge power boost uh, just from these two cards, so I love them both. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Merfolk player, these cards are great. These are, like, some of the best Merfolk we've gotten in a while for Commander decks, so yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever played merfolk in commander but if i did i'd play i'd play both of these i mean you know what's gonna happen if you play merfolk your, your lands are gonna become islands that's what my entire merfolk deck tries to do <laughs> yeah it makes sense i mean if you are in merfolk this is either great and i think they are playable in, in tribal tribal as well like they're worth they're worth uh having fun with so yeah are you getting to the point where you have too many of these payoffs for tribal tribal trailburn? It feels like we keep getting more uh, of them. Are you gonna having to make like hard decisions about like which off tribe lords you gotta cut? We're way beyond that. Like I, don't, yeah. I haven't even put in mirror <laughs> in my deck yet because like it's so hard to find cuts even for mirror it, it, It's yeah. such a good card, and I'm like, eh. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anywho, I guess I guess if everybody's cheating, I'm gonna cheat too. Guess what? I, I'm allowed to do that as well. I've, I I I I invent the rules. Um, so, so honorable mention goes to Silverback Elder uh, for all the green Card players out there. Um, this is a five mana, two and triple green uh, creature, Ape Shaman, five seven. And whenever you cast a creature spell, choose one of three modes. Uh, destroy target artifact or enchantments. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may put a land card, not a basic land, but any land card from among them onto the battlefield tapped. Then put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Or you gain four life. So if you're in green and you're a creature deck, which is basically every green deck that isn't landstock deck, um, you're just going to be just machine gunning down all artifacts and enchantments you control, so it's like uh, aura shards essentially on a creature, which is even better than aura shards uh, because it's a creature. 
Um, and then you can also just ramp like crazy and you're not limited to basic lanes. So you're very much like if you're running like 35 plus lanes, you're going to be very consistently ramping with this effect every single time. And if you're in a tight spot and you need to gain some life, yep, you're gaining four life a turn as well. This card is just bananas. Um, <laughs> pardon the ape. Right. The ape but, uh, <laughs> very good. <laughs> good one. Uh, good one. Good one. Uh, but yeah, this card is very good. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a creature deck, it's great. Yeah. Uh, so I, I expect that to see a lot of play. Uh, but the card that interests me is, yet again, another legendary creature. And this is Varak uh, Warp Senjir. This is an Orzov legendary creature vampire. One white and a black. So three drop, two, two, flying, death touch, lifelink. And whenever you activate an ability that isn't a mana ability, if life was paid to activate it, you may pay that much life again. If you do copy that ability, you may choose new targets for that copy. So essentially what this card reads is it's a Rings of Bright Hearth for every single activated ability that costs life. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. Instead of paying two mana, like Rings of Bright Earth, to copy that ability, you're just doubling the amount of life total that you're paying for that activity ability. Very obvious synergy here. The one that's going to be the 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 one that you're going to jam all, all your fetch lands into because of it's uh, yeah. Well, it's fetch lands. Um, all you all fetch lands or the the original uh, fetch lands are uh, no the onslaught Zendikar fetch lands are pay one life. To activate it, sacrifice the land, uh, search your library for a land, put it onto the battlefield. So for the, the low cost of paying an additional life total, so it's two life total total, uh, you're going to turn all your fetch lands into ramp, which is fantastic in an Orzhov deck, which naturally don't get to do that. You're basically essentially a green deck at that point. So run all the fetch lands in those two colors or in any colors that you're running Varric in. But it gets even more fun when you consider there's so many activated abilities out there that cost life in black, which this is an Orzhov card, so like, um, what's it called? The one that like does negative one, negative one damage to a creature. It's one of the demon lords. Uh, uh, Vilis? No. Oh wait, Vilis. no. Yes, Vilis. But yes, Vilis works. Uh, the Razaketh, uh sacrifice a creature, pay two life. Uh, search your library for a card, put it into your hand. So now yep. you got to search your library for two cards and put it into your hand for four life instead of two. Like, this is good. Um, it's it's a good card. Turns I... your fetch lands into ramp. It turns your pay life things into better stuff. It's really greed. You could greed? I was going to say, Beth, that's what I want to do. This is like <laughs> the best greed commander. I get to draw so many cards and die so quickly to my greeds. But... Rip. <laughs> Really, though, like it, it does work well with Greed, Phyrexian Reclamation. You get back two creatures instead of one, yeah. or like Priest of the Felrites. You double reanimate, pay three life, sacrifice it, yes. reanimate a creature. Getting back two, or Chainer also kind of does that. The OG Chainer, pay three black yeah, and yeah. three life to reanimate yeah. something. So there's actually like the Nightmare Lord or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Master. Dimension there's, Master. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of cool synergies for this card. So I like it. The only thing I want to say is like 
it has to say pay life. So if an effect just says like, and then you lose some amount of life or something, that's not actually going to count as paying life, even though as far as gameplay is concerned, they kind of have the same end result in a game of magic. But it has to specifically say the words like pay X amount of life for this to f- trigger. So as you're building your decks, just keep that in mind. Because I know it's like whatever your vampire tutor or whatever. Not that that would work anyway, because it's not an ability. But in effect like that, vampire tutor says you lose two life. So it wouldn't actually apply to, to this as a commander. Yeah. Also, I like the fact that there's a three drop. So again, we, we talk about like consistency. The lower your the mana value is, the more consistent you're going to have it on the battlefield. So it's a three drop. It's not soup. It's not the ultimate cheapness, but it's like on the cheaper end. So you cast it on three, start cracking your fetch lands on, on four. And uh, if it dies, you can recast it once or twice. So that's good. Yeah, and we were just talking about, like, our favorite underrated commanders, and Selenia Dark Angel was, was near the top of my list for, like, yeah. the life-swapping shenanigans, and I feel like this, like, it's not going to be as good at just, like, get your life total down to two or something the way Selenia can, but if you want to actually do more than just put your life total down to two and, like, draw some cards and do some cool things along the way... I think it's kind of a neat life swap style commander as well, where you can like spend a bunch of life on abilities and then I give your like life, life total to your opponent or like whatever. Like, so I think there's yes. some a neat shenanigans in that space with uh, with Varric too. I do like me some life swap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna work very well with some previous Orzhov commanders for sure, and I think it's gonna be a fantastic uh, commander in itself too. So I, I expect it to see a decent amount of play. Um, well, that was four commanders from each of us. So a total four of 12 plus honorable. Yeah, yeah a little, plus honorable cheating. <laughs> a little bit cheating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is our podcast. We make up yeah, the rules. We can do what we want. You can't complain. You can, you can leave a down vote if you really want to, but it doesn't matter to us. <laughs> don't We're do unstoppable. that. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Please. Like but and subscribe, actually. <laughs> they're just lucky I didn't go on a half hour uh, Plaza of Heroes sucks rant, so <laughs> we, you dodged that at least. <laughs> we didn't even talk about did, how much you don't did like Did we, that. though? Because <laughs> I feel like we're, we're uh, pining to open no, that we're, box we're good. right now. We're good. Okay, okay, no, we're good. Is there something you want to talk about, Seth? No, no, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> cool then. No worries. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Well, th- th- that's pretty much our list. Uh, what do you all think about the set in general? Uh, Dominator United, the main set, and the collector box stopper cards and the precon cards. What? What do you? What? Do, what's your vibe on this for Commander? I mean, overall, every set. Oh, go ahead, Grim. Oh, I was gonna say just overall. I don't. I don't know it. It feels just balanced. Just like, it's like not, it's not bad. It's not like amazingly, it's not like absurdly powerful. There's nothing that has me jumping out of my seat except for like the Assassin Lord. But Mm -hmm. like everything just seems balanced. And it's, it, it. it feels weird to say that. <laughs> Crim's, Crim's so down on this set. Every time we talk about I, this yeah. set, I'm, I'm not like, oh, Crim is just <laughs> so down. I love this if, set. I think, I, I think it's powerful. I think, it, I think it's powerful. I don't know. I mean, I've had to change the way I evaluate sets. I remember like five years ago when we did these videos, we'd be like, oh, is this a good commander set? And that was like a legit question. And now like every set is a good commander set. But I feel like Dominary United like, went out of its way to be an even better than good commander set just because its themes happen to line up with what commander is about like the whole like legendary theme a bunch of support for legends in specific 
I feel like this is above average even in the the current era of everything being designed for Commander. I feel like they they kind of went out of their way to make sure this was even better than than the norm these days, which is the norm is pretty good for Commander. Every set is like got so many Commander cards, and this even goes far above that. It's just balanced. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what it is. It's just balanced. That's all it is. I There's mean, nothing I, like that's like gonna make me like upset. Nothing like snowballs absurdly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, that, I mean, like Jodas like very good. I think like as sure. a new commander, you're gonna see a lot of Jodas. I think on tables. Uh, maybe not 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 at Golos levels, obviously, because it's much easier to shut down. But I think it's gonna be very popular and it's gonna have a high impact. But yeah, I think it's. I, I agree with 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 Krim that it's balanced, and I also agree with Seth that I feel like a lot of. I, I feel like they went out of their way to really think about what they can add to Commander without trying to like obsolete previous options. It really feels like a toned down power level wise set, but also a much more mindful set. Like Tetsuo Imperial Champion, first time we've ever seen a Grixis Equipment Commander, right? Like Ivy yeah. is is working with Mutate. Ramsey's is a cool new take on assassins that can be built different ways. Um, I, I think there was a lot of thought and a lot of diversity in the set that you don't really see in other sets. But at the same time, like uh, it's like on the opposite end of the spectrum from like Commander Legends of Wand, where they're just like, here's Jeweled Lotus, here's Hullbreacher, here's, you know, like Jessica's Will, you know, like and partners, <laughs> broken partners. Um, yeah it's very different than that and i feel like it's kind of like a philosophy change like Baldur's gate was also a lot powered down i think too and i think this is following that mind but i think this is a lot more interesting than Baldur's gate to be honest like a lot of the there's so many weird commanders here like freaking hazazon dealing with deserts and stuff like mm-hmm. there it's yeah. in the same deck as it's in the same set as ramses it's dealing with assassins and tetsuro again dealing with equipment and stuff so yeah, I, I really like this set. I think it's really good. I hope that it's popular, because if not, we're going to go back to Commander Legends style, where everything has to be a must-see staple, and I don't know if that's good for long-term health of a format, but... I can, it's not. Oh, I it's not. <laughs> I can <laughs> tell you, it is not good for the long-term health of a format, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's more exciting, I know, uh, initially. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I like the set. <laughs> it's a balance. <laughs> And yeah. like, see, like, yeah, <laughs> and there's yeah. a bunch of, and there's a bunch more cool cards we didn't get to. I don't think yeah. anything broken, but like the set, there's a lot of depth. That's how I kind of view it. Like, you might mm-hmm. not have a a jeweled lotus or whatever, a dockside extortionist, which I think is probably a positive that we're not getting those cards anymore at this point. But I think there's like a pretty long list of like 50 cards or more that. You could play in your commander deck, and they're they're going to do what you want it to do. They're going to be functional at a you know mid to high power table and do some like pretty fun things and interesting things. So maybe it doesn't have the like the top end power, but I think it makes up for that by just having like a really long list of interesting and like powerful enough to see play kind of cards. All right. Well, on that note, we did twelve cards. We talked about the set in quite good length. Almost an hour and a half. Um, and on that note, everyone, uh, hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for reaching the end of the podcast. Like and subscribe if you like the sort of content. MGGoldfishMerchDots.com. You know, you know all the things. All right, that's the show, everybody. Until next week. See ya.